0: Welcome to checking out the competition, Boston Bruins. This time we are joined by Sean Ferris, who is a writer for Stanley Cup of Chowder. Sean, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Stanley Cup of Chowder is always, like, when you say it out loud, it's a funny name for a
1: hockey well, Yeah, plus with, like, <laughs> chowder, but I'm from western part of Massachusetts, so don't have an accent at all.
0: You speak like a normal I'm a human. Straight. Congratulations. i do
1: although <laughs> i do have like the slang words like i say wicked sometimes and mm-hmm. we call a lot of you call it like subs like we call it a grinder oh yeah so like things like that so we do have a touch of that
0: but, people down here have started to do this really annoying thing where they call carter hart cat a hot for like absolutely no reason except i think like maybe kevin hayes did it or something but it's making me insane i can't take it Anyway, on to the Boston Bruins, who are a good hockey team. However, the Flyers, which I totally forgot about, beat them both times they played them this season um, in a shootout, first in November 3-2, to and then in January 6-5. to um, What has been going on with the Boston Bruins since January? It's kind of a little synopsis, if you will.
1: So I guess you could say they've heated back up. So they had an extremely strong start to the season. And then it was sort of like they were on um, like a PDO kind of high. And then they sort of checked back in. And I would say sometime between that Philly game and now, they just started heating up again. And they're very hot. Uh, they also went out, made a couple trade deadline accusi- accusations. Um, They got Andre Kasha from Anaheim and also Nick Ritchie from Anaheim um, and lost Danton Heinen and David Backus, who David Backus was sent to the AHL where he didn't report anyway. So he wasn't really a part of the NHL roster, but I guess worthy of saying. Um, And now they're sort of at a point where they're almost sort of hitting an injury bug. So Carlo got elbowed in the head in the game against Florida on Thursday night and he will be out for tomorrow night. As well as Tori Krug is out for tomorrow night. He basically took a complete beating against Tampa. Um they say upper body, I'm not sure you know, they're like in playoff mode with the injury Mm -hmm. news. Yeah. Um I did notice second period end of the second period they had a power play and he got slashed like very, very hard on the hand or wrist area. Um but that was like one of like the three, four, five times where he went back to the bench, kind of aching. Um, so I'm not exactly sure which incident caused his upper body injury, but he's out for tomorrow night as well.
0: Oh, I see. I I checked the injuries before we were doing this, and I didn't see Krug. I didn't know about him. So that's I saw Carlo, um, but I I didn't know about Krug. So that's interesting. Um, do you worry because the. The Bruins, just for everyone listening, uh, won four in a row before losing to Tampa on Saturday. Um, right now, Tampa is uh, six points behind you guys for the top of the Eastern Conference. Do you worry about Tampa catching Boston ahead of the playoffs? And do you like? Is does anybody care if Boston doesn't finish first?
1: I mean, I think it's worth caring about. Because, well, for one, from the fan perspective, another series against Toronto is just like, it's getting old, kind of like. Yeah, right. It really. And eventually, like, Toronto's (laughs) going to beat them, too. You know, like, there's only so much, you know, eventually, like, the Maple Leafs will get some luck. Although I don't think they're nearly as strong as they were last year and the year before. Um, Part of that's because Toronto's having a lot of injury problems right now when they're happy that Cody CC's is coming back into the lineup, like, you know how awful it's been for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's probably worth taking whoever's going to be the final wild card, um, I would think. And then I also think, you know, they're most likely to win the President's Trophy. I think there is something to winning that mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate about it. Like, I think when we look back on last year's Tampa team, even though they got swept in the first round, like their regular season was extremely impressive. And it kind of like makes that statement that they were a very good hockey team who ran into a bad matchup and had a bad few games. Like, that's just what makes the NHL playoff special. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins in 2014 won the President's Trophy. And it's like kind of like remembering that that was a very good team. They lost in the second round in seven games to Montreal. But, you know, those are good teams, and it's good things to remember. So I think it's worth trying to win the President's Trophy and trying to be the number one seed and having that home ice advantage as well throughout the playoffs.
0: Yeah, the home ice thing is huge. It's – I don't think it can be overstated. That's – that's for the Flyers, that's personally the only thing I care about is them getting –
1: Well, it's, it's been, like, a dramatic, like, splits in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. And they've been amazing, and on the road it's been iffy.
0: Yeah, they started to kind of even out a little bit, but for most of the season, yeah, they were absolutely terrible on the road and much better at home. So, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't make any sense, but hockey. Um, Obviously, when you're looking at a Bruins game coming at you, you're thinking about that top line of Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak, which is probably the best line in the NHL. Um. How do you, you being the Flyers, how do the Flyers keep that line in check?
1: Um, I would assume with Sean Yeah, that's really, but, I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> really you know,
1: I guess. think, I mean, I think the high-end talent in Philadelphia can sort of neutralize that top line in a way. Like, it's it's very difficult. The most difficult part is keeping them Without possession in the offensive zone, because mm-hmm. they're very good, like cycling mind, and they make reads off each other that are very special, I guess. But if you can kind of, I guess, dominate the neutral zone against them, or like you know, that's how you kind of neutralize them. You're not going to get keep them hemmed in in their own zone, I don't think. But mm-hmm. not allowing them to control entries, not allowing them to gain as much possession in the offensive zone, I think, is critical. Um, How you how you do that is like you know a lot easier said than done though, and obviously that's what makes them such a special line. But I think having a center like Sean Couturier, who has a very strong two way game, um, probably very Patrice Bergeron esque in that sense. Mm -hmm. He's like almost like a mini Bergeron. They're very different, I guess, in certain ways. But um, and then it's. I think it's really going to be up to the D pairings of who plays against Pasanak. I didn't look at uh, Pasanak who plays against uh, that top line. Um, I didn't look at what Philly did in the past games, but I think that's kind of the critical point as opposed to the forwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are there any players further down the lineup in the bottom six, maybe that also might be threatening in this game?
1: I would say Coyle. So Coyle has been playing with Debrusque a lot lately. So since the trade deadline, um, when they got Kasha and Richie, Kasha didn't play the first game he was eligible. um, But their second game was against Dallas. I think it was like on a Thursday night. And they made Kraichi, the Kraichi line is now with Kasha and Richie. And Mm -hmm. the third line has really been Debrusque with Coil and like insert winger. Um, <laughs> Anders, Anders Bjork has been, been basically a healthy scratch and they put like Chris Wagner there for a bit and whatnot. Um, but I think Coyle and Nebraska are very good at reading off each other and playing well down low in the offensive zone. Um, so I do think that line could give headaches, I guess a little bit further down the fourth line hasn't been the same for the Bruins. Like, historically, the Bruins have always had, like, very good fourth lines. It's almost kind of like the Islanders in that sense. Mm-hmm. Last year, in first round of the playoffs, I mean, they played Corrali, Chari, and Wagner against the Tavares line. Um, but they don't necessarily have that this year. So I would say the Coil line is probably the line further down that could give headaches.
0: So... In addition to all the offensive talent, you guys also have Rask, who is at a – looked it up – 926 right now, which is absurd. Um, One of the things I always think about, like, when heading into the playoffs with a goalie that's been playing well all season, um, he kind of kept it up last year in the playoffs. Do you think that he'll be able to keep up that level of play through the playoffs this Um, season?
1: It's – I guess it's difficult – to say last year he had some weird personal issues um there's not much that was expanded on but he basically took like a break for a week I, I don't know if he went home I don't remember the whole situation but he basically took like a personal leave last year at one point and came back and was in a much better mindset and then carried that through the playoffs um you know but he's been consistently terrific through the entire year and keeping that up is also gonna be difficult I think the big factor has been over the last two years really is having Halak be, you know, that really solid backup option so that they Mm -hmm. can split games and they can kind of manage the load that Rask has to take. Whereas you look at Hellebuck in Winnipeg, who I think is having a a more impressive season where like Winnipeg's been a disaster defensively, but they've had Hellebuck to just kind of like somehow keep them in it. If they were somehow to make the playoffs, like, I don't know how Hellebuck would keep that up over that, you know, with that load. But um, I think the load management has been key. And I don't see a reason to suggest that all of a sudden Rask will fall off in the playoffs.
0: Is it so is this just out of curiosity for someone who doesn't watch a ton of Boston Bruins games? Is this um, kind of a result of the defense? kind of limiting the high danger shots that Rask faces or is he just really playing lights out?
1: I mean, I think a large part of it is the strong defensive play of the Bruins. Um, I would argue they're probably the best defensive team in the NHL. I mean, they take a very defense first mentality and then they have the talent at forward to kind of still create stuff. Um, I do think it's a product of it, but at the same time, I do think Tuca has had a phenomenal season in itself. And so i it's kind of a mix. I think the raw save percentage is a little bit boosted because of the team he's playing behind, but I think he's probably should be in the best in the conversation and has done terrific mm-hmm. as well.
0: So what would you say is the biggest weakness in the way the Bruins are playing right now that the Flyers might be able to exploit in this game?
1: Um I don't know. They haven't really shown they haven't really shown too many weaknesses, I guess.
0: That's um, annoying.
1: <laughs> well yeah, the thing is they've they've, you know, created themselves like a good all around game. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of seasons, or I yeah, basically, um they've definitely like earlier on in the season develop the defensive side of the game. And then as we get into January, February, they start adding on to their offensive game. So they like they almost take this whole season as like uh, like a warm-up for the postseason and they're trying to like establish things offensively first and then establish offensive concepts following that once you have that. Um, I do think that they have struggled slightly with some cycling movement, I guess, in their own zone, where I think that could kind of bring offense. I think the Flyers, especially over the last like month or two, have shown to like really have some good uh, offensive movement, um, mm-hmm. especially like on the power play. But I, I do think that's kind of carried over when I watch the Flyers. I don't know if you agree. At five-on-five five play as well, they have a decent number of playmakers, um, and there's definitely some high-low movement that Tampa used last game against the Bruins, which kind of burned them. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you could activate well down the boards with your defensemen, which I do think the Flyers could do, that can kind of kill them as well. Like they – Zach Bogosian had a primary assist on Saturday night by going all the way behind the net and, you know, just finding someone open um, from behind the net. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like a defenseman who got cut from the Buffalo Sabres is, you know (laughs) – making pretty plays. So I do yeah. think that's kind of a, of a weakness of them because they are sort of playing in this like very, um, I guess you could say, like a very structured conservative zone that mm-hmm. you can get certain kind of movement on the boards and be able to make plays to the center of the ice. That's kind of one of their weaknesses.
0: Okay. That's actually interesting because the Flyers have been doing some – running of plays from behind the net on the power play um, so it'll be interesting to see if they take that to five on five um, given that it's kind of a weakness of the Bruins hopefully someone on the flyers noticed that that's a weakness on the Bruins and they'll give that a try um just out of curiosity because that it seems like that wild card two spot is going to be the one that's up in the air for almost the rest of the season probably um which team are you? Most worried about the Bruins getting in the first round.
1: Um, I guess. I guess maybe Carolina.
0: That's what I was because thinking. I
1: think, I think they're strong, like in terms of their skaters. I think they're fairly strong. Like they don't have as much shooting talent. Like that's just been a thing for years. They have a tough mm-hmm. time acquiring shooting talent. But like, not to bring up that game, but you know, when they had an emergency backup goaltender and and they just flat-out dominated the Leafs for those however many minutes it was, like 30-odd minutes, um, I think they have the ability to just sort of shut you down and you're going to rely on your goaltending. And I think that's kind of scary. The Mm -hmm. Bruins swept them last year in the conference final. But, I mean, I do think... In the regular season, in the past, they've sort of struggled against Carolina. Um, So it's interesting. I think that they're just the strongest overall team. I'm not – I wouldn't be too worried about Columbus. No, Um, yeah. You know, like, I like Columbus, but at the same time, with all the injuries that they've had, I don't know who's still going to be out. But I think, if I remember, like, Bjorkstrand would still be out. Um, I don't know if Jones would be back. So. I mean, I'm not too worried about Columbus and Islanders. I wouldn't be worried about, you know. I think that I think the best three teams in the Metro are the Flyers, the uh, Penguins, and the Caps. And then it's kind of just still sort of a crapshoot after that. So I do think Carolina's the best out of, like, the rest of the Metro.
0: Yeah, once you get to the wild card spots, it's kind of like a mushy middle kind of sort of. And they're all so tight
1: right now in terms yeah. of, like, points, so.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't have any idea who's going to end up. Yeah, we were talking about it um, in the Broad Street Hockey chat. I kind of think that Carolina would be, if any team, if any of those wild card teams was going to get lucky in a way that makes sense with the way that they play and take out the Bruins, I think it would be Carolina. I don't think any of the other teams even have a shot. But yeah, because like you say, Carolina's you know excellent possession, but they usually don't have a lot of finishing, and if they can just get on a PDO bender and start getting lucky with some stuff in front of the net, like, they could just easily, I mean, like, you know, easily take them down. Because, like you said, they're going to smother you defensively. Exactly. Yeah. That would be a fun series to watch. And hopefully we will get it. I, too, am tired of Bruins Leafs, so hopefully that is not a thing again. Doesn't seem like it would be, because I don't i don't think Tam is going to take Catch you guys. The
1: one thing, the one thing I don't like is, and it, you know, it's looking like it's gonna be Tampa and Toronto, and I don't like the jersey matchup there. I don't know about you, but like yes. the blue <laughs> and white, on blue and white, is just kind of annoying.
0: It is kind of annoying. Maybe Tampa will wear those hideous black ones.
1: Well, I don't like that either. Like you can't even see the numbers and whatnot. I, know. I don't know what they were <laughs> so thinking. Bad. The old, like, if you went vintage with the old Tampa, I like those jerseys. I don't know why they didn't, you know, try to take a vintage look. Like the Bruins, their alternates are like kind of decent because they mm-hmm. went with like the old look and like they just simplified the B and everything. But I don't know. Maybe that that should be the jersey redesign for next year.
0: Adidas has made some really big mistakes with these thirds. There's, like, just oh, a yeah. lot of just egregious third jerseys running around, including the Flyers. I hate the Flyers' thirds. And I was, like, really jonesing for a black jersey, but the ones that we have, I absolutely hate them. What can you do? Okay, last thing I'm going to ask you is to give me a shot-in-the-dark prediction for how you think this game's going to end.
1: Um, let's see. I think... Uh, I can see the Flyers actually winning by a couple of goals. Just because Bruins lose their best defensive defenseman and they lose their first, you know, their, their defenseman who's on the top power play unit, who's, you know, probably the best power play defenseman in the league over the last three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could definitely see the Flyers win by a couple goals. I'm going to pick that.
0: Okay. I've been pretty good lately with predictions, which is very unusual for me. And I'm also um on a serious positivity kick with this team. It's hard not to be right now. Um
1: plus I kind the, of have... plus the Bachelor's on too, you know. Right? And they're undefeated when the Bachelor is on, so
0: Undefeated on Bachelor Nights. Which is obviously correlation and causation in my opinion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say four to three Flyers. I think this is gonna be a game that um, kind of scares Flyers fans into thinking that they're going to finally lose a game, but I think they might pull it out. So I'm gonna go four three Flyers, and we'll see what happens.
1: I don't think we're gonna get another shootout though.
0: I hope not. I could I no regulation four to three is what I'm looking for. I don't need any extra time in this game. It'll be enough for me, especially because the Flyers play Tampa on thursday so they do not need any extra hockey this week (laughs) they got to keep it together against the two best teams in the league so it'll be it's a lot already but sean thank you so much for doing this this was great
1: no problem at all no problem at all i enjoy myself
0: all right cool check out sean on stanley cup of chowder the sb nation blog dedicated to the boston bruins you guys do great work over there sean thank you enjoy the game go flyers